So we, are, uh, we have a cultural phenomenon going on right now. I don't know if you all have heard about this or not. Um, there's this little thing that a lot of people have went to, to view over these last couple of weeks called Top Gun Maverick. Who's seen it? Not a, Now, it's like setting box office records, and there's three of you in here who've seen the movie. Four of you in here who've seen the movie. Uh, apparently, it is a really good movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes says it's uh, 97% good. Uh, but better than that, what I like to look at on Rotten Tomatoes is how many, what the viewers, you know, normal people like us, not critics, they say 99% of the people who go see that movie like it. That's a really high rating. So who wants to go see Top Gun now? I want to see all the hands up because uh, I, I know it's a good movie. How do I know that it's a good movie? Because people have told me that it's a really good movie. Lots of people have come and talked about how great a movie that this is. More people that are a part of this church has told me how great it is than raised their hand this morning. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but people have posted on their social media how great a movie that this is. I mean, I've read things on social like, this is the best action movie that's ever been made. I don't know that I'd go that far. That I've read on social media like, this is a must-see movie. See it on the biggest screen that you can see it on. Lots of people have told me to go see it. So I went and saw it yesterday. They're right. It's a great movie. It may not be the best action movie ever made, but it is a very good movie. We like to share things with people that we love, right? If we enjoy something, we like to tell people about it. Uh, several years ago at my old church, I was working with a worship pastor who came up to me and said, I got to tell you about this. Um, there's this taco place, and it is the best taco you're ever going to have. He said, not only is it the best taco you're going to have, this taco will change your life. And we're talking about a taco. But he said it will change your life. So I'm like, well, maybe I should try this taco place out. But I didn't for a few weeks. And then one day he was like, get in the car. We're going to lunch. I'm taking you to this taco place. And he takes me to show me how great this taco is. And we get there and I eat this taco. And I'm going to tell you, it was probably the best taco in Knoxville. I mean, it was a delicious taco. Do we like tacos? Everybody taco people? Um, but it didn't change my life. It was very good, though. And I've been back to this place, um, which has now changed ownership, so it's not what it once was. But it was an excellent taco. Do you notice the difference in those two kind of scenarios? People tell others that something is good, or they take them and show them. It is what I call the told versus shown principle. I made that up, I think, but maybe I read it somewhere. I don't know. It's one of those ideas where you hear about a restaurant, or you hear about a movie, or you hear about something great, and it makes you interested in it. Maybe you'll try it out, but when someone shares an experience with you, you're more likely to go when they tell you all how great it is. But when someone grabs you by the hand and says, hey, we're going to go get a taco, then you understand how great it is. The told and shown principle. If we look at that with our faith, we look at telling people that would be how we make converts. People who become churchgoers. But if we look at showing them, 
That is how we make disciples. We cannot stop at just being told. Let's pray as we dig into the Bible today. Father in heaven, as we open up Scripture and we look at your calling on each of our lives, Father, I pray that you will break our hearts for those who need the gospel. That you will show us our weaknesses in making disciples. And Father, you will convict us of the need to get out of our seats and to be on mission for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are continuing in our series, Summer Losing. And last week we talked about, you know, what are some things that we need to lose if we are going to win in our walk with Jesus? What do we need to lose to be winners in our faith? And we talked last week that we need to lose ourselves. We have to stop being half in for the gospel and half in for the world. We cannot have one foot in one and one foot in the other and really be living out what God has called us to live. And we talked about how that basically plays out with just the greatest command. Love God and love others. Love God. Worship God. God above all other things. And love others. Go share the Lord with them and make disciples. The book of James talks about this principle. James says to be doers of the Word, not just hearers of the Word. In other words, get out of the seats and go do what Jesus tells us to do. And James says if you don't, it's like looking in the mirror and you see yourself, but it's unrecognizable what you're claiming. You are fooling yourself if you are just a hearer of the Word and not a doer of the Word. You are basically lying to yourself about how you follow Jesus. And that's our bottom line for today. If we excuse ourselves from the mission, we are lying to ourselves about our faith. If we are Christians who are not on mission, then we are not followers of Jesus. We're simply claiming Him, maybe just because it makes us feel better. We must lose the excuses. If you talk about what we have to lose in order to win in our faith, we have to lose our excuses if we are going to live out our calling. The mission statement of Northview Church is making disciples who are growing in their love for Jesus and people. It's basically the Great Commission reworded to make it sound more modern, I guess. We probably should just say our mission is the Great commission we are here to make disciples people who are growing towards jesus and growing towards others and making more disciples and we talked last week about how that can be a confusing term depending on what your church background is a disciple as we define it how we believe scripture defines it a disciple is someone who is committed to christ you are a follower of jesus you are being changed by Jesus, changed by Christ, and you are on mission for Christ. All three elements coming together, making you a disciple of Christ. Does that describe you? Does that definition of a disciple describe how your life is playing out? Are you a disciple or are you a churchgoer? Are you a disciple or are you just a participant in a religion? John 15.8 says that 
By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You prove that you are his disciple by the fruit that you bear. Are you a disciple? Are you bearing fruit? And what is that fruit? It is making disciples. Most church cultures and most churches in our Baptist association, we rate success by how many rear ends are in the seats on Sunday morning. We fill out a survey every year. What was your attendance? How many baptisms did you do? How many people claimed Christ as their Savior this year? We rate our success by the numbers who come and attend. How many walked an aisle? How many came to VBS? And what we are really tracking when we just track those numbers is converts. How many people claimed Jesus? But we don't know how their life changed when we just look at the numbers. We are not called to make converts. Our mission is not to convert people to Christianity. We are called to make disciples. And to be a disciple, whoever you follow, you do what the Master does. If you are a disciple, or a modern word for that would be an apprentice, you do what your teacher shows you to do as you learn something. So if we are a disciple of Jesus, we do what Jesus does. And what did Jesus do? Jesus made disciples. You notice as you read through Scripture, Jesus, while He preached to the masses, He spent His time with just a handful of guys teaching them how to walk the faith. He made disciples. Our key text for today, a text that we refer to often, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. It's a text, if you have a church background, you would know this text as the Great Commission. Verse 18, Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, he's saying, I'm God, I've got all authority. It's all resting on me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go is usually where we stop. But he says, go tell them and teach them. Go tell them and show them. Disciples are not just converts. Disciples are on mission for Jesus. Most of you all know, before I became a pastor, I worked in the video production industry. And when I decided I was going to go into video production, I thought, well, maybe I need to get some education for this. But who wants to go spend thousands of dollars to go to UT when you can just go to Pellissippi State, who has a, you know, a studio and all that? So I go to Pellissippi. It's a two-year program, and it was a great program. Uh, learned a lot, made a lot of connections, was able to get into the industry. And when I left Pellissippi, I got a job at a production house in Knoxville pretty much right out of college. Now, what you probably don't know 
um, is at least in the early 2000s when I was in the industry or getting into the industry, Knoxville was the third largest production city in America behind only Los Angeles and New York. It's since been passed by Atlanta and it's fallen down because many of these areas have moved off to where they get better tax breaks. Many of these houses have. But at that time, there was HGTV in Knoxville, DIY in Knoxville. All of these things were producing content, and it was the third biggest production place in America. So they had a big need, but they also had high expectations. So I get this job for this production house. We were making content for Oxygen Network, Discovery, a History Channel, um, probably shows that you have seen before. Who's ever seen the show Snapped? Anybody seen the show Snapped? It's all about crazy women who snap and kill their husbands or boyfriends. It's, you know, some of you sound like you can relate. I don't know. Anyways, I worked on that show, and that show's still on, um, produced by a production house here in Knoxville. And when I get this job, I go, and one of my first days there, I'm talking to my new boss, and he, he was a graduate of UT. He went through UT's um, whatever they call their program, broadcasting or whatever they call it at UT. And he says, you know what? I, I noticed that everybody he had hired was people I went to school with. We were all Pellissippi State grads. And he said, I would hire a Pellissippi State grad before a UT grad any day of the week. And I'm like, oh, you went to UT? It's kind of weird. Why would you do that? And he starts telling me, because when a UT grad comes, they have a lot of theory, but they've never done the job. Pellissippi puts their students to work. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, my first day in a class at Pellissippi State, they put a camera in my hand and said, go out, and they gave us a script and said, make this, shoot this, and then bring it back, and we're going to look at what you do. First day, hands-on, out there making video. It's the teach versus the show. It is telling someone or actually letting them do the work, our mission is making disciples who are growing in their love for Jesus and people. Our mission is not to share the gospel. That is the first step in our mission. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus and then show them how to follow Jesus. The Great Commission is not my calling. It is all of our calling. If you claim Christ as your Savior, you are called to make disciples, not to let the pastor or the elders do the job. It is your job. And here is the brutal truth. There is no such thing as a non-multiplying or non-reproducing disciple. Jesus said when he called the first disciples, he said, come and I will make you fishers of men. Not just going out and grabbing men, but showing them how to be fishers of men. If we excuse ourselves from this mission, we are lying to ourselves about our faith. We are claiming a faith that is not the faith of the Bible. The faith of the Bible says we make disciples and the church as a whole has failed at stressing that i would gather if i was to survey the room 
most of us would say, we have never had someone sit down with us and show us how to lead or how to live for Jesus. Discipleship is lacking so much in our churches that adults who've been following Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years have never discipled anyone because they were never discipled. I was one of the lucky ones. I wasn't discipled in my faith for the first 10 or 12 years of my faith, but when I answered the call to ministry in my mid-20s, a guy at my church stepped up and said, hey, I would like to meet with you and just show you what it means to be a Christian. And he was not a pastor. He was just a guy who had a passion for evangelism and discipleship. And we met together and he walked me through what it really looked like. He walked me through what it looked like to pray and to read Scripture and to talk to other people about our faith. It is something that we don't stress enough as a church And the Lord has convicted me of this over the last few weeks. So I'm going to prepare you now. You are going to get tired of hearing this. Because we will be hammering this mission over and over and over again. Because when we planted Northview Church, we were all in agreement on that core team. This is what God has called us to do. Make disciples, not just another church. Our culture... Is in a pretty rough spot right now. We live in a culture that promotes lies and claims them as truth. And we live in a culture that when we as believers share the truth, we become the enemy. When all we're doing is speaking rational, reasonable truth. We live in a, a culture that is smothered in sin. And not just sin, it's, it's what Paul talks about in Romans. Inventing ways to sin and then celebrating those who sin. We live in a culture that is a culture of death. People fighting for the right to kill a baby. Mass shootings everywhere we turn. We have, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas. We've seen uh, Kansas. We've seen Iowa. Um, I'm forgetting another one. There, it's like every day you turn on your television and there are mass shootings. And we hear about those, but we don't hear about the 30 or 40 people that were killed in Chicago last week. Because we focus on the sensational and we talk about all these solutions and we offer them prayer and our thoughts and we, we just, we're going to pray for Uvalde or we're going to pray for Iowa or we're going to pray for Buffalo. Prayer alone is not enough. I firmly believe in the power of prayer. But God didn't call us to just lift up prayers, He called us to get out of our seats and get on mission for Him. And the only solution is Jesus. The only solution is making disciples. Prayer alone is not the answer. Disciples making disciples will change the course of our society. 
We think it's impossible. How are we going to do that? It starts with you. You just do it. These 12 guys that followed Jesus, they probably thought the same thing. How are we going to pull this off? And here we are 2,000 years later, still talking about the mission that Jesus put them on because that mission is ours as well. We are desperately in need of an awakening today. We are desperately in need of a, of a church who stands up for the gospel and who seeks to show others how to follow Jesus. So what does that look like in practical ways? What does it look like practically? What does a worship or a disciple look like? There are a few characteristics that I think we can take from Scripture of what a disciple is. First and foremost, a disciple is a worshiper. A disciple is someone who is seeking to know, to love, and to obey God above everything else. Everything we do, our jobs, our relationships, how we spend our money, if you are a disciple who is a worshiper, it is all used for the kingdom of God. We are seeking to glorify Him in everything we do. And we had a great time of worship this morning. Did we not? Were they not fantastic, by the way? We, we get to hear them one more time. It, it, they led us to the throne this morning. But this isn't worship. It's just an element of it. Worship isn't just singing songs. Worship is how you live your life. He is calling us to be worshipers 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, fully committed to knowing God, loving God, and obeying God. A disciple is a worshiper. A disciple is a family member. Now that sounds kind of weird, but think about it. When you become a follower of Jesus, we use that churchy word, you know, people think we're weird because we say, hey brother, hey sister. And people who aren't church people think, that's kind of strange. Well, they're right, but that's, the background of that is because when you become a follower of Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of Jesus. And we we become brothers. We become sisters. We are part of the family. You know what that means? That means this is not just a church for you. This is your spiritual family. And we're just as dysfunctional as your regular family. We got the kooks in here, and we got, I mean, we, we've got it all covered. This is a family. It's not just a church. This is a community, and we are on mission together. I will make you mad sometimes. I will hurt your feelings sometimes because we're family. And I mess up because I'm a human being. All of us will get on each other's nerves at times. And we will fail at times. A disciple is a worshiper. A disciple is a family member. A disciple is a servant. Someone who is not begrudgingly, but joyfully giving of our time giving of our talents to serve the Lord. Now, I thoroughly, as I've already told you, thoroughly enjoyed hearing them lead us in worship today. But I bet there's other people in this church who can sing or play an instrument and they just won't tell us. 
Now, I would love to have them come back as a special guest. We shouldn't have to have them come back because nobody else steps up, though. Some of you have the talents and you're not using them, not just in singing or worship, but you have talents to teach or talents to do all kinds of things for the Lord. We are servants if we are disciples. And we are stewards. A disciple is a steward who uses our resources for the mission. A disciple realizes that whether it's our our finances or the material blessings God has given us or whatever it may be, those are not yours. They're God's. And He gifts them to you to use for His kingdom. Whether that is helping your neighbor or tithing to a church or offering a car that you don't use anymore to someone who's in desperate need. It could look all kinds of different ways. A disciple is a witness. We have the greatest story at the tips of our fingers. It's better than Top Gun ever thought about being. Who have you told about it? We've talked the last two weeks statistically 55% or more of Christians have not shared Jesus with anybody in over six months. But I bet we've told people about that movie or that TV show or that restaurant or whatever it may be. We are witnesses. Finally, a disciple is a maker of disciples. You are a disciple maker. You are not called to just convert to the gospel you are called to show others how to follow Jesus but man we got excuses don't we I don't know how to do that I mean nobody has ever showed me how to follow Jesus nobody's ever sat down with me and showed me how to pray how am I going to make a disciple when I have to work this many hours, I have to get my kids here and there and do all these things. We've got all kinds of excuses. But there are no excuses. When we excuse ourselves from the mission, we are lying to ourselves about our faith. When we say we don't have time, or we don't know how, we make time and we learn how. No one's ever showed me how to do it. You don't need anybody to show you. You've got this. Just read the Gospels, see what Jesus did. But you know what? You're a part of a family. And some of us in here can help you. We can show you how to do it, and it is not that hard. You do not have to be a Bible scholar. You do not have to be a pastor. You never have to have gone to seminary. You know what you have to do? Love Jesus and follow His commands. That's it. The rest of it is doing life with each other and learning from each other. There's no excuses. Are you a disciple? Do you fit those characteristics 
Are you a worshiper? A family member? A servant? A steward? A witness? Are you making other disciples? And if you've claimed Jesus as your Savior, have you ever been baptized? Because that is the next step. It's not, the next step isn't, I've accepted Jesus, now I'm going to join the church. No, the next step is, I go get baptized. Because baptism is scripturally the proclamation that we make to the world My life is dead, and now I'm alive in Jesus. Have you ever followed in scriptural baptism? Maybe you got baptized as a kid, but you weren't saved yet. I did. I was baptized when I was seven or eight years old. I wasn't saved until I was 13, so I did it again because my pastor explained what scriptural baptism was. Are you a follower of Jesus who's been baptized and? Are you making disciples? Can you point to anyone currently or even in the course of your life that you can say, yeah, I walked through that with them and I showed them how to follow Jesus. I did life with them. Just one. We're called to multiply. I'm not pretending that I have it all figured out. I meet with guys every week and we experiment with how this, how this looks, but then I'll see a glimpse of them changing and just understanding a little more what it means to follow Jesus. And that's, all it, that's what it's about. You know what we do in our, in our meetings? I don't teach them something grand. We literally, we read the Bible, a lot of Scripture. We talk about our lives, we pray together, and we hold each other accountable. That's it. That's all that we do. And their lives are changing because of that. My life is changing because of them. Our mission is making disciples who are growing in their love for Jesus and people. You've probably seen our signs out in the auditorium that say love live grow go that is our what we have designed as a pathway for discipleship most of you don't even understand what that means because like i say we have done been terrible at making sure everyone understands what we are doing that pathway to love is to worship to live it out is to be a part of the family we do that through our life groups to grow is to get involved with someone who can be a spiritual mentor to you And to go, well, that's to get out of your seats and get on mission for Jesus. We all have next steps that we need to take. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The band's going to come back up and close us in just a moment. But think about what your next step is. And as you think about that, there's a slide on the screen. But if you would do me a favor, if you feel like God is calling you to seek a spiritual mentor, Just text the word GROW to the number 77411 and I'll reach out to you and we'll figure that out. If you've never followed in scriptural baptism, would you just text the word BAPTISM to 77411 and we will walk through baptism with you as that next step. If you're following us online today and that fits you, would you text 
grow or baptism to the number 77411. Or if God is calling you to take a step that I haven't mentioned, you can come and you can talk to me or you can just text that number and I'll get the message. Some of you God's calling to just give up chasing your own life and follow Him. Some of you have never committed your life to Jesus. Today's your chance. If you would like to make that decision, come as we sing this morning. I'll be up to the side over here. I would love to speak with you. Father in heaven, would you break our hearts for the broken? Break our hearts for the lost. Break our hearts for those who claimed you but never figured out how to follow you. God, would you show us the need for discipleship? Lord, for anyone in this room who needs a spiritual mentor, who needs someone to walk through that with them, Lord, would you give them the courage to just lose their inhibitions, lose the excuses, and reach out. For anyone in here who needs to take that step of baptism, Lord, would you convict them of that right now? Lord, for that person in here who's never committed their life to following you, would you give them the courage to come up and just speak privately with me over here as we sing this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.